Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Ignorant Bliss episode focusing on Watchmen. This week was episode three, and I think it is titled She Was Killed by Space Junk. This episode changes the um, point of view of the show, which lately has mostly been about Angela Abar, played by Regina King, to the first time the focus is from a character from the actual original comic series. This one is by Lori Blake, a.k.a. Lori Jaspinik, a.k.a. Lori Jupiter, a.k.a. Silk Spectre. AKA the comedian played by Jean Smart. She was one of the main characters from the original story, you know, and she was uh, the love interest of Dr. Manhattan and became the love interest for Night Owl 2. And here we go. The episode begins with her. Um, it has an interesting framing device that she's in this blue phone booth um, telling a joke or t- talking to what the phone booth says is this is a way to send messages to Dr. Manhattan on Mars. Now, you know, for the average person, this could be something cool to do for her. She knows most likely BS because, you know, she actually knew him and knew why he left. Um... So that's the framing device used throughout the episode. It'll, it'll go back and forth with that. It sees her um, basically uh, committing a bank robbery as a trap for a vigilante called Mr. Shadow, who looks very Batman-esque. Um, she suits him in the back like three times. Um, she's very... Uh, Rye and sarcastic. She's always cracking some jizzokes. And when she goes out there after stopping the vigilante act, because you know, in this world, vigilantes are against the law since the year of 1977, the Keen Act, um, people are booing her because to them, it's like this guy is just trying to do some good and she doesn't care because she got a history with all this she's then um, visited by Joseph King Jr the man who is currently running for president uh, as a Republican he's a conservative that really wasn't uh, specified in early episodes and he wants her to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma to take over the investigation of the death or you know murder of uh, the police chief, the sheriff, Judd Crawford. And she doesn't want to go. She wants to stay all home in DC, uh, being an FBI agent, part of the anti-vigilante task force. He then says that, you know, of a person that reaches the level of president can do some some things for i.e. pardon people you know like um, her owl friend because as I said before in earlier episodes and if you read the PDpedia on the website for memos you know that Dan Dreyberg aka Night Owl 2 is locked up 
Cause he ain't snitch. He ain't no six nine man. He ain't working with no feds. He hard. Pause. You know what I'm saying? He in there doing his time because he was a G. Motherfucking night owl. But I digress. So, yeah. So, she accepts. She goes to the little, whatever, the meeting or whatever. She talks. You know, she doesn't talk much. You know, when she walks in, everybody kind of knows who she is. And, you know, they're going over the case. And then, like, she picks her squad. She picks uh, Dan Petey, the guy who makes the Petey-pedia. You know? And she takes him and they go to Tulsa. Um, there's no that um that when they flying in, they notice one of these big millennium clocks and they go into some backstory about, you know, Adrian Veidt back in the 2000s was trying to make these clocks and like make people feel like they can reach a higher goal potential, you know, all that stuff like he was on. Um, but whatever, when he law when whenever he disappeared, um, a woman named Lady True and her uh corporation bought all his assets and they bought these buildings. He he busts out this, you know, the Ozymandias quote, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm not going to repeat it. I don't have it memorized. Uh, And that's interesting because right there they foreshadow a whole new character. This character that bought up all the uh, Ozymandias' stuff. They get down there and, you know, she started, she, my man, you know, my my girl, uh, Lori, all right, come down here, you know, wrecking shop. You know what I'm saying? She, she's destabilizing the happenings and the goings on in um, this, this this situation in Tulsa as, you know, our Tulsa police have taken it to um, capturing known or uh, suspected 7th Cavalry members and putting them into, like, a a black site of sorts, you know what I'm saying? Um, kind of, you know, stamping all over some rights, things that they shouldn't really be doing. And Lori runs up on them, you know, pirate Jenny's with the shits. Everybody's with the shits until she say who she is because she don't really care about a bunch of people in masks because that don't impress her because, you know, you know, watch me and all. You know, she, she's Lori's with it. Um, so she goes to see what's going on. She wants to talk to Looking Glass, but she called everybody by their name. Not their superhero, cool, mass cop name, but their government name. She disrespect people's little code names. She don't even care. So she go up in his little pod that we saw in the first episode. She disrespect that joint. She say she called that joint a racist detector. You know, that's kind of double, which we had racist detectors in our world. But yeah, she's like, this ain't, you know what I'm saying? She all, you know what I'm saying, messing his up his flow. She take the little remote. She looking at the pictures like it's a PowerPoint. Like this ain't nothing. So, you know, she's doing some questioning. She's like, you know what y'all got? Run that info. This is what I know. And he's all kind of out of sorts. He's trying to like be all kind of cool or like buy the book. And she's like picking her teeth and like his mask, because you know his mask is like mirrored or whatever. And it's just a it's a very antagonistic proposition. Like it's not even it's antagonistic and it's condescending. Like 
Like y'all, it's like she's straight up like y'all ain't y'all ain't shit to me. And it's interesting that, that she's like that from jump. Lori decides to go to the um go to the funeral. And you know, they taking everybody's guns, but she's sneaking gun in cause she a G. Petey goes with her. And while she's there, you get you get to see Angela now, you know. And you know, she's giving the eulogy, she's singing like this little cowboy song, cause they had like some type of agreement, like whichever one of us go first, they would do the eulogy and sing this whatever the song or whatever, whatever song they wanted. And so, you know, good old Judd won this old cowboy song and she's singing it and they all clapping. Cause I think Lori starts them clapping. You know, she's she's going with it. And then during the meets, you see all this. You see that there's a bombers in the Seventh Cavalry. We dug a tunnel into the cemetery, and they come up through the mausoleum. One of Bama got a suicide vest on. He run up, come about that joint, and he says he tells the uh, Senator King Jr., "Yeah, you're a race traitor." And he like take that Bama hostage. And he talking about you know what I'm saying if I, my heart rate goes so long, the whole bomb will go off. And then, like, it don't even get that far before, like, Lori just shoot this bomb in the head. She don't give a flying fuck. Then, it's like, oh, shit, the bomb is actually really like this because, you know, she thought he was bullshit. And then, so, you know, they, they you know, Angela's out there, quick, quick action, you know, Action Jackson out here. She, um, <laughs> she takes it, push him in the grave, then push Judd's, like, casket with him in it over top of the, the like take the, the explosion and you know she saved the day instead of getting all this minutia of just saying the recap the interesting thing with me was that um it's kind of like in a different place because in the comic the funeral for the comedian happened in like the second issue this is like the third episode but the um the pomp and circumstance of the funeral for Officer Judd, much like his murder and the blood fall onto his uh his badge and basically how a murder of somebody very important and respected by certain people, a member of law enforcement and authority is murdered by somebody. Um this mirrors the comedian's funeral. And you could I, I don't know if everybody was like noticing this or it was just interesting because Laurie's character almost is like not like deja vu like when well, I've been here before like this isn't this is like she she respects things but she don't respect things because to this like this is all like the same the same things but different like you know they, they call the show like a remix but it's kind of like a cover or something it's like her character almost seem like this is like a bad cover even though somebody really did die and she gotta figure it out <laughs> but you know you got all these people running around these costumes it's like uh, like I thought we got past this. Um, I, I found that interesting, especially Lori's place, and she did. She like she honors it, but she's like looking around. Everything's kind of interesting. I don't, I've read some like recaps, and I don't know if everybody kind of picked that up, like how close that is. There's like sometimes these little references to the book in certain places that are different, but similar, and it's in there. It's callbacks. Some people pick the big callbacks. Because there's an earlier thing when you when we first see Laurie in her apartment, she has this Andy Warhol piece of um, her. It's like his, like her, Ozzy Mandy is Night Owl, and Doctor Manhattan, 
Because, of course, you know, if it was in, you know, the Washington world, you know, he would be painting them because they're famous. You know what I'm saying? Like, they were called the crime busters. They didn't even stay together that long. But they was kind of tied together anyway. They was kind of friends. The interesting thing I found about this, though, is that, like, Rorschach isn't in that picture, even though he's part of the little squad. To kind of sort of, he was the the one they didn't really want to claim, except for Night Owl. He was their only real homie, uh, Rorschach. But I'm gonna think about some of that. I'm gonna talk about some of that later. So we get to the point where um, Lori, after they, you know they, they cleaned up the scene or whatever, she's talking to Angela in the, in the mausoleum. You know they figure out the hole, and she talked about how she went and she talked to Judd's wife. And, you know, she noticed that there was like a secret compartment in his closet. And, you know, there was something in there. But the clothes on the little dummies missing. And she also basically said, like, the only other person in there was you because, you know, you kind of, quote unquote, fainted. So you probably saw that was in there and you took it. It's whatever. But, you know, Lori's on her full investigation role. And she kind of flexing on Angela. Angela noticing it, and you know, and she was basically say something like, uh, you know, the one thing about it was like basically about how like guys with compartments in their closet that everybody thinks are good guys might not really be good guys. And I eat good guys for breakfast. And then Angela's just like little, ooh, and shaking. She poured her coffee out because she gave her a coffee when she was walking the scene. That was, that was a good thing how Angela's showing that she's not shook. But again, for those who are watching it, I do find it, find it interesting because this episode is the most referential to the comic. Well, this scene, it seems like, you know, she just flexing because she like, she know things on some Colombo shit. It is like, the person we really like, Angela, is just like, she ain't, you know what I'm saying? She ain't going to back down. But for me, it's just like, yeah, last time you, you you know about the good guys who had compartments in your closet because the comedian, you know what I'm saying, his, his whole suit, they ain't even like, they ain't know Blake was a comedian. He's only one public or whatever. People feel like, oh, snap, the comedian got killed. And like, it was in his closet. And then like all these things came out from that. You know, her find out that's, his, that's her father and like, her father raped her mother and all the terrible things he did in the war and it was all types of crazy stuff. They like that comedian was trash. Um so it's interesting she says that so it's like, yeah, if you if you if your your precious sheriff or your chief was all hiding special clothes and compartments, ain't nothing good could come from that. So I like that, you know, and then we got the uh, the big thing that made some news is that I guess when Lori was in the hotel room going to sleep or whatever, trying to go to sleep, she took out this ginormous blue, shiny dildo, like ginormous, like a rocket ship model or some shit. And it's like, yeah, it makes sense. Like she, like she was asleep with Doctor Manhattan when she was young. Another thing people forget is like, yo, when like Doctor Manhattan was like with her, he was kind of hella old, but not old because he stopped aging. But she was like, a, she was like a late teen, like you know what I'm saying, like college age, like like that sophomore, like freshman sophomore age. 
then you know she was doing them for a while so it was interesting but like yeah he clearly he had an impact but it also showed that like she still cares about Dan because like she's doing this to like that if Senator King is be president if he wins she get him out of jail so she's even still going on there's like this weird like like love triangle thing going on with Lori and Manhattan and Night Owl even though Night Owl ain't there she also keeps one of his owls she be feeding him whatever in the crib she also has like a voice control like CD player it's weird what technology exists and what doesn't in this world um the other I guess thing is you know we go back to the lord of the country manor and we see this mama the lord is is setting up one of his uh clone dudes is Mr. Phillips in like a suit like a uh a Victorian era space suit it looks like and um also caught because we're reading uh, some recaps that the black like a replica of the black freighter is there that was interesting because you know the black freighter was a the, the pirate comic in the comic that was something you're supposed to read along with to you know connect to Ozymandias is like mental state and his outlook and it mirrored some of his like his path and you you know I don't know if I know if anybody who got that on the first reading you get that like on reading two and three kind of but it's there so that was good to see he put this spacesuit on boy he sent him out somehow and he come back frozen and dead we got another loss Mr. Phillips that's hella sad uh this Bama the Lord goes out to go hunt a bison because he's out here trying to make leather or whatever and when he wants to go get him like a dude in like a dark outfit just shoots at him and tells him to, to go back because you know what I'm saying like you breaking the rules and then we found out through a letter later that this dude is called the game warden and that the lord is actually imprisoned and most of what he's doing, besides making random plays about Dr. Manhattan, is trying to get out or find ways to get out. So he's using all his brain power to figure a way out of here and survive. We also find out that, you know, he puts on a suit. And he puts on a suit that's Ozymandias suit. And it is confirmed, quote unquote, that he's Adrian Vite and he's alive. And this is where he is. I give this the 90 to 95% believable. I still kind of don't believe it's him a little bit because I never saw Adrian Vite as British because he was born in America, like in the middle of the country. And I'm like, so why is he British? But oh well, you know, it's Jeremy Irons. He is a beast. Um. Also, no, I think that's the connected back to the Black Freighter. That's probably why Pirate Jenny is Pirate Jenny because Pirate Comics and Pirates were really big in the Washington world. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but like Pirate Jenny is my favorite like cop, even though she don't do anything and she don't talk a lot. I just like Pirate Jenny as a name and she has a cool look, just like Red Scare. Looking Glass is my real fave though. He's the hardest. He's the best designed one. 
the episode ends with Lori completing this her story or her joke that she's on the phone to Dr. Manhattan because we find out they have these phone booths. I think I said earlier. And so she's she's taking this joke and this joke slash story references these uh three men and this woman or this girl and the interactions with God and how like the three men are sent to hell and then like she uh, following her father's footsteps of building a, a, a barbecue pit through a brick in the air and then God get hit with a brick and he like dies and goes to hell too and she's like alone uh, but the man in which she, she references in the story follows uh, Night Owl who chooses who wants to change the world but he didn't do through violence so he gets sent to hell by like basically not doing enough um uh, the second one is a man who changed, who was successful and changed the world, but he killed too many, so he goes to hell. And the third one is a person that is as powerful as God, but doesn't do any. They didn't do anything essentially, and it didn't matter. He knew he was going to hell, so he went to hell. Um, referencing Doctor Manhattan, when she kind of ends the conversation, she's like, "I don't know if you're gonna hear this, blah blah,", blah. and she like hangs up. And then she looks up into the sky. She sees a, a flashing red light, which could be Mars. And the car from the second episode that um, Will Reeves got uh, swooped away in uh, comes crashing down, all kind of messed up. Nobody's in it, though. And then she busts out laughing because she's taking it as a sign that, like, well, dang, maybe Manhattan did hear me. That's funny. So a lot of the thing in this episode, Lori is uh, dealing with the type of like sarcastic wit and jokes, because again, her her second superhero name was the comedian, so she's kind of becoming more like her dad because her dad, at a certain point when the Keen Act went to effect, uh, and there was no more Mask Man or Vigilantes, um, Doctor Manhattan was allowed to continue being a superhero because he was the deterrent of the Soviets to do anything to us because he was the most powerful being on Earth and he was an American and he worked for the American military and government and Richard Nixon. The other person was her father, the comedian, who was a super soldier and worked with the military army did a lot of the dirty work like murdering motherfuckers and shit like that. So it was interesting in her place that she chose not to go to jail by um, becoming an FBI agent and working on hunting her kind, essentially, uh, which allows her to still be free and do activities and use her skills in a way. And she's also, you know, a lot more cynical like her dad, and she's more willing to use violence. Uh, this week on the PDpedia, we have an editorial of the New Frontiersmen on basically, uh, you know, that is the weird little paper or conservative super white wing paper that Rorschach used to read and send his journal to it's a one where it's basically complaining about the progressiveness of the Redford administration and Redford Red years as being president and the gist of it leads to a point of uh, all the people who believe in the conservative movement or that Richard Nixon should like leave earth and colonize Mars because that's where the new Americans will be because the planet is red, their god, Dr. Manhattan, is blue, and they, the white folks, 
would be the white of the colors of the United States. I found that hilarious. Also, John Grisham becomes a member of the Supreme Court. He is a retiree. When we're rewatching this this episode, you see the newspaper, but John Grisham, Mr. Like the firm and the Pelican Brief and all that type of stuff, that it, it, it cracked me up. And they actually make reference to the Pelican Brief as like a the Pelican deep the uh, deposition or something like a different title, but it's the same thing. Um, there is a uh, PD does a analysis in a memo form about the first two episodes of American Hero Story, which complains about how they're taking too many liberties with the actual history and uh, making it more violent and how they kind of making changes to certain people, like making uh, Laurie's mother a more despicable character than she was and to uh, make other people look like more heroic and things like that, which was interesting because it's like a show. He's commenting about a show talking about something very much like people are in their recaps or thought pieces talking about this show or many other shows and how they feel about taking about the characters or again, since it's kind of also referencing like things like American Crime Story, people's issues with how they represent certain people who actually existed versus in positive or negative lights compared to the way things actually were, which have been documented within like, you know, you know, books and things of the sort. So that I found fun. It's really worth the read. It's not that long. It's like a page or maybe two pages, both of them. And the last one is a letter of the first Joseph Keene, the one who became the senator who made the Keene Act, writing Judd Crawford's father, because the letter took place in 1955, talking about the painting that that the episode is named after, issue uh, episode two is named after, and how why the discrepancy between that and the real painting is based off of how it was like a copy because that guy sold all his paintings to get money because he was broke and now he made like duplicates and call them his cartoon series and how the name is different and how connected and that's interesting because it might show a little bit more about like Crawford's connections to Joseph Keene and why his son uh, Keene Jr. is so connected to him there's a lot going on here a lot of opening the questions that I know we're going to get some resolution to um, also, it's interesting that in the world, uh, Dr. Manhattan, even before it's seen as this benevolent yet powerful uh, American God, he kind of for forsaken the people and left and going to earth and there's this hope that he will come back and help and save them and people talk about him like this thing and kind of like mythic but he was real and he's a god presence whereas Rorschach is almost talked about like a devil a demon a negative point 
of the world. And I think it's because within the world, Rorschach disappeared just like Dr. Manhattan disappeared. But people took from Rorschach very bad things or they became things that became very terrible acts and terrorist like things. So he he's either not talked about or his name equals ridicule or things not to believe in and and kind of evil but when we look at the story the original story dr manhattan killed his ass and he didn't kill his ass because he was gonna do something evil he was just like yo this terrible thing that adrian did just to bring about world peace and world peace is great but he like he killed three million people yo that ain't cool i can't just let that rock i i this is a lot i can't live with this and Dr. Manhattan murdered him and just kind of left because in the end, Adrian's point made sense to Dr. Manhattan and it did for Night Owl and it made sense for Lori. Thing of it is, we don't know if Lori and Dan knows that Rorschach was killed. Maybe, maybe not. They know he didn't leave in the ship. And our ship uh, we could probably be smart enough to know that Adrian figured out that he killed him because you know I recently read the end again anyway Dr. Man didn't say he killed him he's just like yo he's out he's gone like he don't make the fact that he blew his ass up and that's interesting how it works within the world because there's also a presence where they don't even talk about Rorschach Rorschach is always a presence because the Seventh Cavalry, the New Frontiersmen, the way people reference his work, his journal, even though everything that he said in it was the truth, but no one believes it. I find that pretty interesting, and I want to see what's going to happen later on. If um, if Doctor Man comes back, I also am interested in seeing this Lady True character because first of all, that's a cool name, and. You know, what connection to, to truth is this going to be? You know, did she figure out the truth? Is she finding the truth? Is it just a cool ass name? Um, clearly, I'm guessing we're going to get more Angela in the next episode. I don't know if we can get more more Will because uh, he wasn't in this at all. Only his wheelchair was referenced because Lori figured out like there's wheelchair tracks, but she don't know whose it is. Uh, so, I thought it was a great episode. I think this is the episode that really solidified it. I guess maybe you can call it like your first act is over. Maybe it's only nine episodes to the season, so we'll see. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty. I ain't, I don't think I have any more thoughts to tell you guys. That's it. You know, you can always reach out to me at uh, Ignorant Bliss Podcast at gmail.com IGBL podcast on Twitter. Um, or you can just holler at Julian Lytle, L Y T L E, on Twitter, Instagram, all them social media things. Shout out to my Patreons. Your support uh, gives me energy to make things like this and also um, make the comic I make called Power Girl Mob with my friend. Sean Cosley and the artist Tressa Bowling. I'm not going to plug too much. Um, sorry, I got episode two out late. 
I'm gonna try to be better with episode four. Been seeing a lot of movies. I need to probably do more recordings about about those movies. But I hope you guys are enjoying Watchmen. If any of you who watch this show and don't haven't read the comic, I would love to hear from you because the third episode is really comic heavy. And I have no idea how you guys know what's going on in the third episode. The first two episodes, I can see not knowing because you're going to be so focused on Angela. Shania is awesome. But yo, episode three is it's all Watchmen comic. Not the movie. All Watchmen comic. So yeah. And with that, peace. Get my friends drunk. I get just what I want. Real life, bitch, ain't no front. Oh wow, young soul child, so much money, try to tell me slow down. Fuck your side, every side of my town. Yup, keep the tie down when I pull up in the benzo. You ain't got no friends though. Rolling in the end zone. 